This is It Was a Thing on TV. Episode 317, Submission 1391, the episode of Saturday Night Live, preempted by Game 6 of the 1986 World Series. The episode of Saturday Night Live, preempted by Game 6 of the 1986 World Series, was taped in the early morning hours of October 26th, 1986, and aired on NBC on November 8th, 1986. Well, guys, last spring we talked about the 1985-86 season of Saturday Night Live and how they had to, because the reviews were so bad, when the show came back in October of 1986, we had a whole new cast. Now, Dennis Miller, John Lovitz, and Nora Dunn, they all stayed for the 86-87 season, along with A. Whitney Brown, but we had a totally new cast. Yep, joining those people would be Dana Carvey, Master Impressionist, Victoria Jackson, and Jan Hooks, who is the lovely, talented, and vivacious Jan Hooks. But also, we had joining the cast in 86 and 87, someone who would be the defining rock of the show for the next eight years. Oh, yeah. The late, great Phil Hartman. A noted voice talent in his native Canada and in the U.S. Fun fact, he auditioned for Saturday Night Live after he did not get the gig to replace Johnny Olsen on The Price is Right. Yes, he was actually under consideration to replace Johnny Olsen for The Price is Right. This according to our friend Randy West. They ultimately went with Rod Roddy and... Phil Hartman left for New York to go do this thing. Well, remember, Phil Hartman was the announcer on the Pop and Rocker game with John Bellman in 1983. And he also, I think, did back in like the 60s and 70s, didn't he do like album art for different bands back in the day? Yeah, he did. Yes. So he does have like some experience with the rock and roll genre. Obviously, that was before he uh, went to the Groundlings and became Phil Hartman. So the season premiered on October 11th, 1986 with Sigourney Weaver as the host. And that's a great episode because that's the uh, episode with the uh, debut of the church lady with Dana Carvey, but also the great chopping broccoli sketch. (laughs) Remember that? She's chopping broccoli. She's chopping broccoli. She's chopping broccoli. (laughs) And then October 18th, you had uh, Malcolm Jamal Warner as the host with Run DMC as a musical guest. There was no musical guest in the uh, October 11th episode. But we're going into October 25th, and, well, Rosanna Arquette's the host. And as you know, in the last episode we teased it, in the promo... Rosanna and Dana talk about the World Series between the Mets and the Red Sox. And, well, this was the night of Game 6 of the 1986 World Series. The Red Sox had a 3-2 lead in the series. And it was a very tight game. It was tied at 3 going into the ninth inning. 
And obviously, you know what happened in the 10th inning, but everyone forgets what happens in the bottom of the ninth because the Mets actually had an opportunity to win the game in the bottom of the ninth. And for whatever reason, Davey Johnson, like, refused with a runner on second to have Howard Johnson sacrifice. And they were unable to score in the ninth. And then the Red Sox scored two runs. And this is, like, forgotten in history, but... Vin Scully makes like a big deal about it. If you watch like in the bottom of the 10th inning about how it's probably going to sting in Davey Johnson's crawl all winter that he didn't have Howard Johnson bunt. So Wally Backman, Keith Hernandez in the bottom of the 10th, they fly out to the outfield. So there's two outs. There's one out for the Red Sox to win their first title since 1918. Now I'm going to play here in the um, episode a comment from Bob Costas from the Ken Burns documentary baseball about how he was preparing for the event that the Red Sox were going to win the World Series. I watched Dave Henderson hit his home run and the Red Sox tack on another run in the top of the 10th. Look at this bench. And with the score five to three, I went back into their clubhouse. They had put the cellophane over each of the lockers in anticipation of the champagne spray. They had built the little podium from which to do the post-game interviews. The cameras and the cable and the microphones were all in place. The World Championship trophy was on a stand covered by a piece of cloth. Frail Mrs. Yawkey had been led in there and she was standing next to the trophy along with Commissioner Ubaroth. And they were watching with me on a little monitor as the Mets came up to bat in the bottom of the 10th. I remember I was standing there thinking to myself, this is going to be the first ever interview in the wake of a Red Sox championship. There was no radio in 1918. There was no television, obviously. This is the first recorded moment after the Red Sox have won a world championship. So I'm thinking, how should that be summed up? What do you say to Mrs. Yawkey? What do you say to McNamara? What do you say to Boggs and, and Rice and Seaver and whomever else? Because remember, in 1918, nothing. There's no radio, no TV, no nothing. So then we go with Gary Carter coming to bat with two out. Gary Carter hits a single. And then Kevin Mitchell hits a single. Carter goes to third, first and third. And then Ray Knight comes to bat. Single. Runners at first and third, five to four. The Red Sox take Calvin Schiraldi out, and they put in Bob Stanley. And then Bob Costas says to somebody in the NBC truck this. And I remember I said to the people in the truck, who I could hear through my earpiece, what happens if they tie the game? And they said, you get the hell out of there as fast as you possibly can. So... Bob Stanley throws a wild pitch to Mookie Wilson, scoring Kevin Mitchell, moving Ray Knight to second. So it's 5-5, and the Mets have miraculously come back from the brink of elimination. And then Mookie Wilson hits a ground ball to first base, and Bill Buckner tries to field it, and the ball goes underneath his legs, and Ray Knight comes in to score. And there's the famous call by uh, Vin Scully. Behind the bag, it gets through Buckner. Here comes Knight, and the Mets win it. An absolute madness. 
The Mets coming back down two and winning game six to force a seventh and deciding game. But guys, here's the problem. This game ended at 12.35 a.m. around that time. So this would be like an hour into SNL. Yeah, this was on a Saturday night. Early Sunday morning. And obviously you'd have to go to your late local news following the game. So then it would end presumably at 1 o'clock. SNL was kind of screwed at this point. It's like, well, let's just tape this episode and then air it like a week or two later on tape delay. So yeah, for the first time in the 11-year history of Saturday Night Live, they taped an episode to be aired like a week or two later. And they taped it at 1.30, I believe, in the morning. We're going to go through a recap of this entire episode. Before we do that, though, we have to hear from Don Porto and a very special guest. 25th, 1986. The New York Mets, one strike away from elimination in the World Series, stage a miracle comeback in the 10th inning. This thrilling spectacle is quickly overshadowed by an event of historic significance. The resulting preemption of Saturday Night Live. (laughs) (laughs) And then there was... Now, you can't see it, but there was a flashing newspaper from the New York Post that says, in headline... Saturday Night Live preempted in the bottom. Mets win. Like, who cares that the Mets had this miraculous comeback? Saturday Night Live got preempted. That's the story. For the first time in its 11-year history, the show was taped for later viewing. When we found out that Saturday Night Live had been preempted, the mood in the locker room dropped quicker than a Roger McDowell sinker ball. Sure, we tried to keep up a front, pretending to be happy after we won the series, but all we could think about were those disappointed Saturday Night Live fans. Even the ticker tape parade seemed like a hollow charade. So on behalf of all the Mets, I'd like to make a public apology. We didn't mean to do it. It's just that when you're playing in the World Series, sometimes you get all wrapped up in it. And, well, you forget about what's really important. Believe me, I'd gladly give back my World Series ring if it would bring the show back live. But it won't, so I'm keeping it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, before we do that, though, we should discuss... Doing that special introduction was, of course, New York Mets pitcher Ron Darling. And, folks, if you don't know who Ron Darling is, you are, well, you're probably not a baseball fan, but also, like, if you're here in New York, Ron Darling is, like, beloved here. I mean, obviously, now today, he's one of the announcers for the Mets on SNY with Gary Cohen and Keith Hernandez. And, well, let's be honest, if you saw... The background behind me, Ron Darling, very handsome man. He is a handsome man. He looks like Mario Lopez, you know, back in the day. And also, I think we've mentioned this many times on this podcast, the famous pitcher's duel he had when he was at Yale with uh, Frank Viola when he was with uh, St. John's during the NCAA baseball tournament one year. Oh, of course we've mentioned that. I think yeah. this is at least like the third or fourth mention of it. Yeah, we, we definitely referred to it in the past. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A window on the times we lived in. Back when the Mets hadn't won a series since 1969. 
Back when the Republicans controlled the Senate. Back when Halloween was still days away. Recorded between 1.30 and 3 a.m. on that fateful morning, October 26, 1986. This is the way it was. Okay, we got the cold open Man. here. Hey, Rosanna. Hey, How you doing? Oh, I know. Oh, gosh. We Why have, of course, uh, Jan Hooks meeting well, Rosanna right before they uh, the get everything sketch. going. What, I don't and... that dress rehearsal. Well, yeah, Lauren Michaels just added it. Lauren? You talked to Lauren? <laughs> of course. Oh. Just rehearsed the scene for an hour and a half. I, I can't believe it. He's usually so aloof. Yeah. yeah. Three minutes to air. Oh, okay. Bye. Bye. Good luck. The next producer, and Rosanna's wearing this bathrobe and a nighty. Fancy dresser, you. Makes me dizzy. Lauren, kiss me. Fancy dresser, you. Who is it? It's me, Lauren Michaels. That is not Lauren Michaels. No. Oh. Oh, no. It's Tommy. It's Tom. I believe this is the Genesis. Of, uh, no, it's not the yeah, genesis of uh, Tommy Flanagan, the pathological I liar. I, I say one line and then we yeah, because we talked about it in 85, 86. Oh, well, you see, it's, a, it's conceptual. Yeah, it's, it's a political statement. Yeah, that's what it is. It's a plea for the homeless. <laughs> we don't even mention the homeless. Well, we don't want to be too preachy. Yeah, see, it's, it's subtext. It's, it's a hidden message. You have to read between the lines. But I only have one line. Yeah, exactly. The rest are hidden. Yeah. You have one line, so read between yeah, I it. Just, I don't know. I just, I can't believe you're a producer. Oh, yes? Well, listen to this. There's no money, but it's great exposure. <laughs> yeah. A big-time television producer. In fact, I was one of the first. Yeah, that's who I was. Why, uh, you know Captain Kangaroo? I recruited him. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa. Expected him to make captain, though. No, I always thought it would be green jeans. Yeah, I knew them all. Why? Why I knew Ernie Kovacs before he was ahead of his time. Yeah. Remember, uh, you are there. I was there. Yeah. Why? I even knew Flicker when he had no friends. Excuse me. I'm in a jam, everybody. Oh, you better get ready for the show. Who are you? I'm what? <laughs> Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. Okay, I'm not Lorne Michaels. I'm I'm lying. Yeah, that's it. I'm I'm a pathological liar. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Paging Mr. Michaels. Paging Mr. Lorne Michaels. Oh, what? Yeah, I'll be there in a second. Oh, and I, I just paged myself too. Yeah, yeah. that's what I did. Yeah. Hold on, son. You better get ready for the show. What are you doing in that outfit? <laughs> Neck with the producer's catch. Neck with the producer's catch. Hmm. Hmm. This isn't bad. <laughs> Wait. It's funny and it makes an interesting point about the homeless. Hi <laughs> from New York. It's Saturday night. Makes an interesting point about the homeless. It does. Okay, this is the intro. Rosanna Arquette's introduced as your host and your musical guest. Rick Ocasek from The Cars. So it doubles as a Halloween episode because we have Rick Ocasek who looks like a skeleton with a happening haircut. Oh, God, don't do that to Rick Ocasek. Let's just hear this monologue here from Rosanna right now. How about those Mets? Yeah, because this would have been recorded right after the win. Yep. Yeah. You never know how you're going to feel until you actually... 
and I'm uh, pretty nervous. But I'm glad I'm doing this show because it's two weeks before the elections, and I wanted to, you know, do some political humor. Unfortunately, the network won't let me mention any names. I, I can't even say which party I'm for because of the equal time thing. But true. Someone we know has been really ruining this country. <laughs> and I can't say what office he holds because it's, well, I just can't, but it's very high up. And, and he's been spending all our money on these things. But I, I can't say what they are, but... <coughs> <laughs> Anyway, we're going to have a great show tonight. Rick Ocasek's here, and... And it makes a great point about the homeless. Oh, yeah, it makes a really good point about the homeless. But also, I think, wasn't Star Wars, like, the big thing in 1986? I mean, yeah, uh, on paper, it's called the Strategic Defense Initiative, but, yes, Star Wars. We have... Well, I'll just let Doug Llewellyn talk on it. Oh, Doug Llewellyn? Doug Llewellyn, yeah. By Doug Llewellyn, you mean... uh Kevin Nealon in a wig. Kevin Nealon in a really bad wig. Okay, let me yeah. This is Vonda Braithwaite, the plaintiff. She sold her immortal soul to the devil in return for success in her hairdressing business. But now claims that the devil cheated her. She seeks nullification of the contract plus damages. Vonda Braithwaite, plaintiff, suing for nullification of contract plus $1,800. This is Mephistopheles, the devil. <laughs> he claims that he did keep his part of the bargain and that the plaintiff is simply trying to welch out of her legal commitment. He seeks the soul plus court costs. <laughs> Metastopheles, the devil. Defendant suing for soul plus court costs. The situation. I think. Hold on a second. Was Metastopheles doing the uh, live long and prosper song? Yes, he was. <laughs> I don't understand this. Not in a court context anyway. But yes, he was doing the Vulcan hand salute. The situation you are about to see is real. The people are not actors. They are actual litigants in cases filed in a California municipal court. They have agreed to waive their right to trial and to have their disputes settled in our forum. The People's Court. <laughs> Hello, I'm Doug Lewis. In the moment of the case of the petition and the beach. Judge Wap. Oh, God. <laughs> Kevin Dion's wick in this segment. Uh, Kevin Nealon's wig is bigger than the rest of his head. <laughs> that is what you call a big case of helmet hair. I will enter the courtroom shortly to hear testimony from the two parties. I mean, oh, here he is now. I, I have to wonder how much product goes into Please that. Be seated. I read your statements. And we got Phil as Judge Wapner now, here. Now, Braithwaite, you mm -hmm. are the owner of a business establishment known as the Hair Affair. Yes, Your Honor. And several and, months ago, uh, the defendant Rosanna is playing Vonda, kind of and Jan is playing Vonda's mother, which you will hear in a moment. And you agreed to sell your mortal soul in return for success in the hairstyling field, is that correct? Yes, Your Honor. Mr. Mephistopheles. Yes, Your Honor. I, I have here a copy of the contract. 
I see that it is written in blood. Oh. The language in this document is fairly vague. Now, how exactly did you help Miss Braithwaite's business? Well, Your Honor, in addition to giving her day-to-day -day advice in the running of a small business, tax planning and so on, I advanced her nearly $2,700 for new equipment. Now, I have here three canceled checks. One is for $1,260. One is for $940. May I see those, the, please? Uh, yes. <laughs> Come on, let's go, let's go. Yes, yes. Oh, this is, a, uh, this is a receipt from the Anita Barber Supply Company for three bonnet-style hairdryers. Ooh. As you can see, they've been paid in Yes, four. thank you. I'll study this. Miss <laughs> Braithwaite, is this your Thank you. I have eyes. Check? Yes, Your Honor. Your Honor, I'd like to say something, if I could, please. Excuse me, are you a relative of the plaintiff? I am her mother. <laughs> and what is your occupation? I am a barfly. <laughs> and by that you mean you loiter in bars waiting for men you don't know to buy you drinks? That is correct, Your Honor. <laughs> Proceed. Well, I don't think that Vonda here knew what she was getting into when she signed this contract now. She is only 18 years old, Your Honor. 18 going on 8. It's true. Now, I'm telling you, she doesn't understand words like immortality or a soul or eternity or any of that I do business. Too. Vonda, I'm going to smack you, honey. You've got to... <laughs> All right. Thank you. I will take that under advisement. Now, Miss Braithwaite... In your deposition, you state that shortly after you started your business and went into agreement with the devil, your business actually began to lose money. Now, is this your idea of success in business, Mr. Mephistopheles? Well, Your Honor, that was kind of a trick. You see, as I promised Miss Braithwaite, I made her a great hairdresser. Her coiffs were magical. Once you got one, you never needed another. Oh. So there was no repeat business. Exactly. But it's more or less customary for me to cheat mortals in this way by observing only the letter of the agreement. For example, I'll give someone eternal youth and then have them sentenced to life imprisonment. That sort of thing. <laughs> it's standard. I'm the devil. Yes. Now, according yes. to Miss Braithwaite's deposition, shortly after she filed her lawsuit, you began to harass her. Is that correct? Your Honor, that is totally ridiculous. What about coming to my house in the form of a black cat? That was probably a black cat. Well, what about throwing all that garbage in our yard? What was that? I did not put garbage in your yard. Well, who hit my car in the parking lot? It didn't dent by itself. Now, you listen to me. I'm Mephistopheles, Prince of Darkness. When I start harassing you, you'll know it. I tell you, if I find any more garbage in my yard, I'm not Shut a Wapner's not taking any other regions, but I run this court. Is that clear? Yes, Your Honor. Now, if the parties have calmed down, I'm ready with my decision. It's clear that there was a contract between the two parties. What is not clear is the extent to which the defendant kept his part of the bargain. Your Honor, it's clear Mr. that Mr. I did. please. <laughs> But in view of the plaintiff's age and the fact that she obviously did not understand what she was getting into, this court must find for Miss Braithwaite. Yay! He's here by order to pay damages and also to maintain a minimum distance of 500 yards between himself and the plaintiff at all times. Judgment plaintiff. So Judge Wapner finds for the plaintiff, Avonda Braithwaite. Let's get a reaction. Yes, what? What have you learned from all this? Will you ever sell your soul to the devil again? Well, 
only for something really good like eternal youth or a really nice car. And Miss, Mrs. Braithwaite, if I may say so, you look awfully young to be Vonda's mother. Well, I'm 33, but that's very nice of you to say. <laughs> let's, get, let's get the answer from the devil. Mephistopheles. Do the math, folks. Just leave me alone. Just do the math. I'm sorry. It's not you, Doug. <laughs> Just that I'm out $2,700 that I'll probably never see again, plus I have to pay damages. What am I going to do with three bonnet hair dryers? <laughs> Mark my word, the wench will be mine. Next time you'll get it in writing? I had it in writing. You did! You, what? watching this at home, worship me. I command you, become my willing thralls and live eternally. That's all for this edition of the People's Court. Oh, the sweet, sublime feeling of complete obedience to your evil master. <laughs> Come, serve me, the Prince of Darkness. I oh, God. Serve me. Let's go. Wait, 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 wait one second. <laughs> Obey me. Remember. <laughs> Remember, if someone cheats you in a business dealing and you feel you're being intimidated, don't take the law into your own hands. You take him to court. I love that the guy who's playing Rusty the Bailiff kind of sort of looks like Red the Bum from Back to the Future, Chico. Yeah, yeah I get that. I'm like, he doesn't look anything like Rusty, but, you know, he looks enough like Rusty, but not, you know, it doesn't really even matter at this point. It's, it's a really good sketch. Hold on, wait. Whammy, what are you doing here? to thank you for not bringing up my relation with my father. Hey, you just did that, sir. I just said thank you for not bringing it up. <laughs> you got me. You got me there. Now, just remember, we talked about this last episode. My dad left for smokes and never came back. I'm really upset at him. Even though I gotta give John Lovitz credit. That was damn funny. It was damn funny. Hold on a second. I gotta ask you something. Whammy, given the subject of this episode, did your dad place a curse on the Red Sox for about 86 years? And he placed a curse on the Cubs, which lasted like 100 and, what, 108 years? And he put a curse on the Cleveland team. It's going to be 75 years next year. That's total bullcrap! My unbiased opinion. Let it be entered into the record that the devil... According to the whammy, his curse on the Cleveland Guardians is to be complete and utter bullcrap. And that is his unbiased opinion. Look at me. Looks like I've got John Lovitz's crazy face when I do this. <laughs> I almost <laughs> wonder. <laughs> Alright, go back. Enjoy the show. Thank you for not bringing too much attention to my bastard father. And now we move right into church chat, which is, at this point, still struggling to find its voice. I mean, it's right there, but... Well, remember, this is the second time they've done this. this is, yeah, I know. It's like, okay, the meat is in the sandwich, I like to say. Dana Carvey knows what he's doing. He just needs to do a little bit more of it. You'll see he gets better and better as time goes on. Doing some foreshadowing here. Don't mention my dad. Um, please, please I can't don't. make any. I can't make any promises. 
Maybe the church lady will mention your dad, but we won't mention it. There you go. Okay. And I'm the church lady, and this is church chat. <laughs> October 31st, as you know, is Halloween. Innocent little holiday for the kitties or a night on the town for Satan. <laughs> this is Mr. Jack-o'-lantern. A cute, carved-out vegetable or a frozen death mask contorted in rage and hate. <laughs> well, what do we have here? A raging inferno of satanic hellfire. Ooh. Isn't that special? <laughs> and now please welcome Jenny Barton, National Bible Student of the Year, a woman who has attended church 757 Sundays in a row. Whoa! Whoa! Until last That's week. That's a lot of Sundays. You missed church, didn't you, Jenny? Well, I'm sorry I missed church last Sunday, but my boyfriend Peter's grandmother slipped in the tub and he needed my help. Well, apparently some of us come to church when it's convenient. <laughs> so, there you and your boyfriend were in that hot, steamy, mirrored little water closet. But his grandmother was unconscious. Leaving you and Peter free to fornicate. <laughs> But we would never do that. We're not even married. Mm-hmm. Well, who would you do that with, huh? <laughs> Satan? <laughs> All righty, my next guest is film actress Rosanna Arquette, best known for her role in Desperately Seeking Satan. Susan. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Susan, do Satan, you Susan, Susan, Satan. Satan, Susan, no, same thing. Corporations are dominating America. I find that scary. That big oil and chemical companies are dumping toxic waste and polluting our drinking water with known cancer-causing chemicals. That's scary. Not me. wrong. Well, apparently we have our little opinions, don't we? <laughs> we talk and talk and talk, and we just like the sound of our own little voice. Well, that's very special. <laughs> Another thing I'm currently involved with is fundraisers to get more Democrats back into the Senate. Uh -huh. Do you go to church, Rosanna? No. But I believe in God. Oh, so you work for Cranston and not for Christ. Isn't that special? Well, who else would you like to see elected to the Senate, Rosanna? Would it be... Oh, I don't know. Satan? All righty. And now I'd like to bring on our final guest, Keith Richards, rock star or Satan worshiper. <laughs> Here's a joke. <laughs> That's not Keith Richards. No. It's Rico Kasich. Yes. Tonight's musical guest, Rico Kasich. I'm not Keith Richards, I'm Rico Kasich. I just said that. What a festive outfit that is, Ricky. Nice hat, by the way. Why are you on my show? Well, my manager thought it would be a good idea to come on Church Chat to plug my new video compilation album, Best of the Cars. Alrighty, well, we have some highlights. Can we run that clip, please? Music removed for obvious copyright reasons. Sorry. <laughs> She's dumbfounded. <laughs> She's befuddled. Well, yeah, the serpent was a great metaphor for temptation, uh, don't you think? We like ourselves, don't we, Ricky? With our black 
leather pants stretch tight across our bulbous crotch region? Those are some tight pants. Apparently, we fancy ourselves a modern-day antichrist. You remember him, don't you? His satanic majesty, Beelzebub, the wicked one, the foul fiend. His lustiness, the author of evil, the father of lies, old horny, the sin stud, the great confuser. And in case you've just tuned in, of course, we're talking about the red-hot, tight-buttocked, hairy host of hell. Look, lady, I might be going out on a limb here, but uh, you seem to have this obsession with the devil. I mean, it's ridiculous. Richard, I'm going to say a little prayer against you. And the church lady's doing a silent prayer. Prickly heat in your groin area, Ricky? Not really. Oh, well, sometimes it takes a while. Yeah, this... Spoiler alert. Didn't work. You know, your problem is you sit there so smug and self-satisfied on your high throne, judging everyone, totally devoid of any self-awareness, any heartful connection to humanity, any... any... any consciousness. God... But you really are, church lady, is a sexually repressed, closed-minded, vicious little bitch. Ooh! Ooh! Well, isn't that special? <laughs> well, isn't that special? Called it. <laughs> well, in all fairness, I must admit that sometimes I'm a bit judgmental of others. Well, I see our time is up, and I guess you're all happy about that, because according to Rosanna, I'm not a very good person. Maybe I shouldn't host church chat anymore. Hmm? Maybe you'd rather see someone else take my place. Oh, I don't know who they could get on such short notice. I guess they'd have to get someone like, oh, I don't know. Can't think of anyone offhand. How about Satan? <laughs> this has been Church Chat with the Church Lady. Okay, now we got the commercial parody. Oh. Honestly. Why Lame. Why someone build a spook house that doesn't insult my intelligence? Someone has. Hello. I'm Leona Helmsley. <laughs> 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 now, can we describe what we're seeing here for the audience? Yes, it's uh, Leona Helmsley, played by Nora Dunn. She's in her mansion... And she's offering tours of her mansion. For those of you who are of a certain age, Leona Helmsley was dubbed the Queen of Mean. She was a bit of a... She was a bitch! Thank you! That's the word I was looking for. She was a bitch. Uh, and she was a... She was a notorious in New York for keeping absolutely unkempt... New York high-rise hotels. Well, you also need to remember when she passed away, she left everything to her dog. Hey, sorry. <laughs> but she did. I mean, she didn't uh, have any, uh, I don't know if she necessarily didn't have inheritors, but she didn't leave money to family or anything. She left money to her dog. I knew that. All her, her, all her money, yes. It's like, Leona Helmsley was a petty bitch, okay? Located atop the Helmsley Palace Hotel in Midtown Manhattan. From the moment you arrive, you'll be pampered like no other spook house has ever pampered you. Turn back before right it's too late. You notice the little things, things like real skeletons, never plastic, live rats, real cow eyes. 
could have skimped and used peeled grapes, but our customers would have known the difference. I know I would. And walls that drip real human blood. I wouldn't be frightened by animal blood. Why should you be? <laughs> and then there's our staff. Courteous, efficient, and fluent in several languages. Unlike the lazy clock watchers you find at cut-rate spook houses. Now, granted, an evening at the Helmsley Spook House is not inexpensive, but then the best seldom is. The Helmsley Spook Another satisfied House. customer. Children under 18 not admitted. Oh, good. I'll be seeing you in your nightmares. <laughs> oh, jeez. No, Leona, no. <laughs> That's scary. That's some scary crap right there. That's scary. We have the band jamming. You know what that means. It's time for a commercial. Yeah. And now it's time for Rico Kasich performing. And you know what? I think this is a really good time for a break, don't you? That's right. As Rick is performing Emotion in Motion for the audience, let's take a short commercial break with these 1986 commercials. We'll be right back. It's been six years since she last blew her top. Is Mount St. Helens just another tourist attraction? Find out on Monday's Evening Magazine at 7.30. Hello, this is Ron Robin for Saturday, October 25th. Talk about stress and tension. This is quite a game. Let's take a break right now and make some megabucks, shall we? We'll take a look at our first number tonight, which is a nine. Next number is 22. And a three. Estimated jackpot tonight, $3 million. Our fourth number this evening is a 26. And a 12. And finally, last number this evening is a 21. So tonight's number is 3, 9, 12, 21, 22, 26. That's tonight's Megabucks number, just a few seconds away from getting back to the World Series. Touchstone Pictures presents Paul Newman and Tom Cruise in Martin Scorsese's The Color of Money, one of the biggest blockbusters of the season. We're going to have a lot of fun. The Color of Money, rated R, now playing at theaters everywhere. Tuesday, Torello wants to end Chicago's reign of terror. His wife wants to end their marriage. Tell me that you want me out of your life. When can you pick up your clothes? Crime Story, Tuesday. Robert Redford. Glenn Close. Robert Duvall. Kim Bassinger. Wilford Brimley, The Natural Son. Sunday, the NFL plays here when the Seahawks battle the Broncos. Before your team takes the field, our team hits the air. NFL 86. Plastic snack chunks are a crunchy and delicious snack with only two calories each. But like any snack, you still have to work off the calories. You ready? Mm -hmm. One calorie. Two calories. Hit the shower. Okay. Try new plastic snack chunks. They're only two calories each, but they taste like a million. How hearty and spicy are plastic zesty dills? Just try one pickle and you'll know. I'll take this one. <laughs> Rest in peace, Ron Masak. And now, back to our show.
By the way, before we go back, I want to thank friend of Place to Be Nation, Peter Winston, for that great clip of the Massachusetts lottery from the night of game six of the 1986 World Series. So thanks, Pete. And also, man, the Broncos and the Seahawks playing tomorrow. Oh, that's going to be an exciting matchup. John Elway against who would have been the Seahawks quarterback in 86, Mike? Was it Dave Craig? It might have been like one of the last years of Jim Zorn, possibly. Okay, Dave Craig would have still been there in 86. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So it should be an exciting matchup, I guess, later on today on NBC. And by the way, I should note, this would have been the night, Sunday, October 26th of Game 7 of the 86 series. But you have to remember, there was a rain out the night of Game 7 of the 86 series. So they had to play it on a Monday night on October 27th. And... If I remember, there was also a Giants-Washington game on Monday Night Football that same night. So we had the World Series going up against Monday Night Football. Yeah, and this was like today, the NFL would crush Game 7. But I think like literally nobody was in the stands at Giants Stadium, and literally nobody was watching the Monday Night Football game. And anyone who was in the stands at Giants Stadium was watching the World Series on like a little TV. What are those Radio Shack pocket junks? Something like that. I spent eight and here we have for the next 15 seconds. Yeah. Kevin is machine. He's pole vaulting. Striving for excellence. I could have had anything for lunch. But I chose Obvious pork. that it is obvious. Because my body can handle Pork. Eat it while you're still healthy. A message from the American Pork Lobby. Well, that's good. Oh, weekend update. All right, everybody shut up. It's time for Dennis Miller to cook. With anchor person Dennis Miller. Thank Thank you, thank you. I am newsman. Hear me roar. Tonight's top story... Donald Duck and Mickey Mouse turned up in the People's Republic of China this week to promote their series in Chinese television. This is just part of a worldwide Disney operation, which includes Goofy in Beirut <laughs> and also a new Disney character, Hassenfuss, in Nicaragua. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Terrorist leader Abu Abbas this week announced that he would come out of hiding if he is allowed to do both Johnny Carson and Joan Rivers shows. The deal was squelched, though, by Tonight Show producer Fred DeCordova, who said he wouldn't let Abbas sit down with Carson because his act is too much like Karnak the Magnificent. Oh, yeah, I should note, yeah, this is like a month into Joan Rivers' run on The Late Show on Fox. Yeah, this is way before we knew that anybody who sat down with Joan Rivers would never, ever, ever be allowed on Carson ever again, ever. Ever dig out of that hole <laughs> and the stress of hosting her own late night show is beginning to take a toll on joan rivers here she is in a pre-show publicity shot looking absolutely ecstatic but after a scant 10 shows her condition has degenerated to this <laughs> mid-march 2023 be listening <laughs> yeah mike can you describe what's on the green screen behind dennis what can I say besides my money in the bank pick? 
Madam is behind Dennis because that's apparently what Joan turned into. They're the same picture. Basically. Yeah, he's not wrong. Oh my God. That's March 2023. Just a brutal, brutal business, ladies and gentlemen. Her chin looks like a set of testicles. I'm sorry. <laughs> St. Georgie, the Nobel Prize winning scientist who discovered vitamin C, died yesterday at the age of 93. His last words were, I guess this stuff doesn't work. <laughs> right, he's a Russian. You can laugh. This week, the Nobel Booby Prize was awarded to a man in Malaysia who thought he had cured cancer, but actually just ended up making it worse. <laughs> On Tuesday of this week, the United States officially expelled 55 Soviet diplomats suspected of oh, espionage. The activity. more things change, the, the more they stay the same. Officials was the yep. startling <laughs> That's a good, really good Steve Martin impersonation. It's live the tape, pal. I am a human being, too. <laughs> the startling discovery that these were the Russians who, in fact, have been jamming the National Football League's instant replay system is nothing sacred to these commie heathens. I think 86 would have been the first year of the replay, right, Mike? Yeah, and it didn't work out as well as it could have, just saying. Yeah, the first time it didn't work. Yeah, I think it lasted all the way, the original replay, up until 91, because I remember in the Super Bowl that year between Washington and Buffalo, there was a Washington touchdown that was overturned because of replay. And isn't that an odd colloquialism to turn up in the London Times, huh? By the way, exactly what is TAT, where do I get it, and how do I turn it in for the other thing? found the level of the room and I think it's right here. <laughs> I like to do that every six newscast just to be safe. <laughs> it's an old Sophia Loren commercial. You know, the Vatican this week announced it has a $56 million deficit and appealed to church members for contributions. God's accountants, E.F. Hutton, blame Pope John Paul II for spending too much bread on threads. <laughs> and Lyndon LaRouche, Rupert Murdoch, and Lorenzo Lamas are three of the latest names to sign on for the new benefit show, Night of a Hundred Creeps. Ooh. All proceeds go to the creeps themselves. How? The Defense Department has finally settled on a method for basing the MX missile somewhere they can put it, where nobody will ever be able to find it. They've now asked former chip star Eric Estrada to carry one around <laughs> <here>. <laughs> That looks like Doug Llewellyn. Oh, he was pretty snooty when he was up. We took a shot. Fighting, fighting unauthorized use and exploitation in the name Ernest Hemingway, the late author's family has made the name a legal trademark and plans a line of products, including outdoor clothing and other items. Also, check your bookstore soon for a new title, The Old Man and the Sea Note. And now, too cerebral. And now, here to give us the big picture, our own A. Whitney Brown. Yeah. This would be hey, ten years before friend. the Daily Show. A. The Whitney Brown. Yeah. Bears that is the big picture. Little has changed. Being marred by the crude swipe of the censor's brush. Yes, I'm afraid that an unfettered form for free opinion is getting as hard to find as a 
fundamentalist in a library. Playboy and Penthouse are being pulled from the shelves thanks to an unholy alliance between Bible-thumping reactionaries and militant lesbians. <laughs> Talk about strange bedfellows. They say these magazines shouldn't be sold because they're degrading to women. Well, if they're sincere, they should also ban the sales of ultramarine turquoise eyeshadow. What could be more degrading than to walk the streets looking like a tropical fish with a hangover? <laughs> On the other hand, the Mies Commission claims some kind of a link between pornography and violent sex crimes. Now, this may be a giant leap of logic, but if some lonely sex-crazed pervert on the prowl wants to get a copy of Playboy at four in the morning, I say we let him. <laughs> As Attorney General, the main thing Ed Meese has done is made people reassess the brilliant legal mind that was John Mitchell. Now, I don't want to sit here and say I'm against morality, but I will if no one else will. The point is, I like dirty pictures. Well, who doesn't? Well, then, what about our rights? Television, of course, is a different matter. Its censorship policy is based on a simple formula, craven pandering to the most vocal minority. The networks have a duty to appear socially responsible. Of course, they can't actually be socially responsible, or they have the demographics of C-SPAN. Well, remember, C-SPAN would have been a new thing back then. A courageous move, I think, taking on the formidable pro-crack lobby. <laughs> while blatantly glorifying the concept of instant gratification at every turn. That's what they do. Network censorship all seems a little silly to me when you consider the availability of cable TV. Our host tonight cannot say suck in the wrong context. But without rising from your bed, you can click the channel to HBO and see her completely naked in Executioner's song. No, wait, wait, I'm kidding. Actually, they're rerunning Chud for the 47th. Oh, Chud! But you get my point. Uh -huh. The elements that comprise the mighty mural of life we know as the big picture, and some of them are offensive. Nevertheless, the scribbled etchings of the perverse mind are infinitely preferable to the slapped-on whitewash of the censor's brush. And that, my friends, is the big picture. Here, here. Whitney Brown, folks. You know, with Chud blew me away. And the New York Mets defeated the Boston Red Sox. In yeah! Good for you! Six of the World Series tonight, prompting New York Yankee owner George Steinbrenner to fire his manager, Lou Pinella. <laughs> Here's this week's movie tip. Four stars. My highest rating goes to Chorus Hour's four-hour live concert film, Ron DMC. Nice. And remember, tonight's the night you turn your clocks inside out. No. Uh, so you turn your clocks back an hour tonight. Yeah, daylight saving time would have just the, ended. Uh, Tonight. 12.40 and ends at 1.20. Pacing, kids. It's all pacing. That's the news, and I am out of here. I gotta say, though, that, uh, <laughs> the madam joke, that was the best joke of the night. <laughs> from that up that, that one landed, didn't it? And now we go back to the funny bit with, well, actually, it's after update, so...
update is typically when the show peaks, and then it can only go downhill yeah, from here. Yeah. Like, any era. Everyone always says, of oh, Saturday Night Live, back in the day, funny start to finish. No, if you've been watching, like, even going back to, like, the early years of SNL, like, once update is done, then steep plateau. That's where they get the uh, sketches where it's like, eh, let's put it on the 1240 slot. It's like, eh, no one's probably going to care. Everyone's going to bed at this point. It's funny enough for people who are obviously drunk because it's Saturday night. And what else are you doing except getting drunk? For example, the Sammy's sketch. Oh, it's been a great series, Sammy. Hey, we're going to walk away with some coin on this one. Oh, now that you mention it, we want a couple of saw bucks. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> you know, I'll tell you, I love it when Clemens is on the hill. Hey, hey, nothing like it. Oh. Hey, hey, yeah, and should we describe what they're eating? They're eating uh, Chinese takeaway, and they're drinking oh, oh. off-brand light beer. Off-brand Budweiser. Where the logo's obviously stickered off. Yes. And they're wearing what looks to be Yankees jerseys, but where the, where the NY interlock would be, it's just Sammy. 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 What I say? Beautiful. Yeah. Oh. I'm gonna do running every day. I'm gonna swim. I'm gonna do a hundred sit-ups a day. I'm gonna run. Whoa. Who Mike? And that's another thing I'm never gonna do, right? <laughs> there you go. That's another thing I'm never gonna do. I know how that feels. This is the dream for me, Chico. What are you gonna do? Sitting in your mother's basement, watching baseball, drinking beer, and eating Chinese takeaway? Not necessarily the Chinese takeaway, but... Or the beer. A-frame, nice, you know? Sleeps a couple people, indoor plumbing with a nice deck. Oh, my kidding, there's another thing I'm never gonna do, right? Hey, look at this, Sammy. Riverside Cafe is having free beer night next Tuesday at 28. Oh, and then there's whatever that is. It'll just take a minute, honey. Edward insisted that he meet my brother. Edward, this is my brother, Sammy. And what do you say, Eddie? Hello. Eddie. <laughs> okay, you've met my brother. We can go now. We've got wait, wait, okay, we can go now. Sammy right here. Oh, it's a pleasure meeting you, gentlemen. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, did you say your name is Sammy, too? Yeah, they're both Sammys. By the way, Nora Dunn, classy as ever. That's basically her thing. She's classy. Oh, yeah, what do you got up your sleeve, Eddie? Well, I'm planning on opening up a chain of clothing stores this winter. Oh, you kidding? That's another thing you're never going to do, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I've already, you know, started. Come on, we really have to be going. Hey, Eddie, get a load of the stats on Gary Carter, huh? Not a bad season, consider 189 batting average in the series, you know what I mean? Yeah, hey, have a cold one, Eddie. Oh, uh, no, no, thank you. I I've got to be clear-headed for tomorrow. Oh, yeah, what's your game for tomorrow? I beg your pardon? He means, what are you doing tomorrow? Oh, well, I was planning on flying to the West Coast to meet with some potential investors. 
We get it, you're going. You know, reserve the room at the Ramada Inn. Okay. Uh, uh, too bad Eddie couldn't stick around. Yeah, he's good, Pete. Well, I'm gonna have some more of that dim sum squat over there. The square biz, what I say? Beautiful. <laughs> hey, Sammy, what is today, anyway? Today's the 25th. Oh, I don't believe it. 15 minutes, tape delay game, off on it, Mississippi State. Oh, what is even that? What is even that? Uh, Karen went to sleep. I thought I might stick around and have a cold one with you guys. Well, I will oh, see. I will see. Hey, how about that game tonight? Was that a killer? Yeah. <laughs> Man. Have a cold one. Uh, thanks a lot. You know, I, I really like your sister. I think I might marry her someday. Oh. Ah, who am I kidding? <laughs> That's another thing I'm never gonna do. <laughs> Also, I like how they find in the listings on the TV in the paper, Auburn and Mississippi State on tape delay. Beautiful! And that was back in the days when, like, you'd be lucky to find, like, any college football game on TV back then. Yep. It's not like today when you have, like, every freaking conference on television. It's time to play America's most challenging show, Make Joan Baez Laugh, with a host, Big Bill Franklin. Thank you, Don Pardo. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Make Joan Baez Laugh. I love how everybody Laugh. says, thank you, Don John, Pardo, after Don Pardo <laughs> announces a game show parody. <laughs> I'd like to point out that tonight... Yeah, because they actually have Don Pardo. We're beginning yes. our ninth season on the air, which makes us the longest-running game show in Because he would be uh, announcing for NBC at large, as well as the uh, NBC4 in New York at the We've time. We've had over 2,000 amateur and professional comedians on the show trying to make Joan Baez laugh, and so far, no one's succeeded. Let's see what our jackpot is up to. Well, it's 2,500,000... Whoa! Whoa! Two million! That's a lot of 1986 money. Oh, my God! Yeah! Again, class it up by uh, Nora Dunn. Uh, cracking a smile how can anyone laugh bill when there's so much suffering in the world the united states is the wealthiest nation on earth and yet we still have millions of children who go to bed hungry mm. yeah you know it reminds me of that joke <laughs> a bum walks up to a guy oh no this isn't gonna work weeks, and the guy says you should force yourself <laughs> 
That joke did not land. Anyway, I hate that joke. I was sure that guy on last that joke show sucked. was gonna get to you, though. He did over 20 minutes of scathing material on Ronald Reagan. Woo! I don't think there's anything funny about Ronald Reagan. He is responsible for the escalating arms race and for enslaving our Latino brothers and sisters. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, you know, there's something I've been wanting to do for years. Gucci, 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 Gucci. <laughs> Anyway, we have six terrific young comics waiting to try their luck. Well, I'm really not in the mood for this. I have a terrific headache. Whoa, great. She has a headache. She hasn't giggled in nine years, and tonight she has a headache. Oh. The impossible dream, huh? Yeah. Well, John, take your throw. Yeah! Can we get a couple of aspirin and a glass of water for Joan? Now let's meet our first lamb to the slaughter. You know him from St. Elsewhere and numerous HBO specials. Let's bring him out now. He's crazy. He's unpredictable. He's wacky. The one and only Howie Mandel. Come yeah! <laughs> <laughs> hey, fun fact. This takes place around 35 years before Howie Mandel and John Lovitz would both be regulars on the game show. Funny, you should ask. I never thought we'd have a funny you should ask reference on this podcast. Hey, what do you want? I'm good for this sort of thing. Well, I guess we've reached our Byron Allen quota for this episode. But Mike, I want you to describe what John is how he has. He has what looks like slung over his shoulder. It looks like, you know, some sort of like satchel. Like, you know, a, a newspaper bo uh, boy bag, but it's in the shape of a hand. So I'm guessing this is in lieu of, you know, putting the latex glove over his head and, and inflating it. Yeah. So I guess we'll see what happens here. Wait, 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 what, what? Okay, what, wait, what, what? Okay, what's your name? What's your name? What's your name? Okay, I asked you three times. What? What's your no, name? John. Okay. No. Hey, John, you ever seen this? What? What? Wait. He's gonna put the glove over. He's gonna his do head. the thing. He's gonna do the thing. Yes, <laughs> he did it. How it did it. <laughs> You're gonna have to Google that one, kids. You <laughs> oh, they gave Howie a little check for two and a half million dollars. <laughs> okay. Now you know, two what? Maybe about two and a half years earlier, mm -hmm. he could have done the exact same thing when he was on the St. Elsewhere week of Match Game Hollywood Squares, and Gene Rayburn would have laughed his butt off. Oh, Gene and John, they would have laughed their asses off. The crowd would have gone nuts. Missed opportunity, just like how Gallagher should have smashed the watermelon that one week. Luck from your body, and you're willing to sweat to get it. You're the kind of person Ooh, who Bill Hartman getting it. But sometimes you ask yourself, what's it all for? 
Well, now there's a reason to stay in shape. Oh, is there? Pork. Oh, pork! It's for you because your heart can take it. Oh, good. Think of it as a reward. <laughs> a message from the American Pork Lobby. And there's a pig. A roasted pig. With an apple in its mouth and everything. Yeah, it's like, come on and eat me. Come on and eat me. Maybe it's the roasted pig from Paperboy. Remember that? I do remember that. Hey, maybe it's like, what, about seven, eight years early for the pig that uh, Homer was going to uh, cook up at the BBBQ? Oh, yeah. Uh, no. Oh, oh, you know what it is? It's the roasted Kahlua pig that Screech lost in Hawaii that one time. Oh, yeah. Was that Saved by the Bell Hawaiian style? Yes. All right. Go back to episode 108. And you know what, Chico? Those people at the Royal Pacific Hotel. Screw those guys. They're no good. And here's Rico Kasich again. Doing another cool number. Yep. Singing Keep on Laughing. Good song there. All right, Miss Connie's Fable Nook. Hello, my friends. And the lovely and talented Jan Hook says Miss Connie herself. Come now and lend an ear as I recap the tale of Coco, clown extraordinaire. Mishu, his impressionable apprentice, and LeBay, the gentle giant, understood by no one but his two tiny allies. Our tale begins in a forest not far from Marseille. Yes, Kevin Nealon is that tall. Yeah. Coco, slow down, for LeBay is tired. Do not worry, LeBay. There is a mountain spring not two furlongs from here where you may sip and revitalize yourself. Come. Yes, Kevin Nealon is taller than Dennis Miller. And as you know, Dennis Miller is pretty tall. predicament for these little rascals. So they struck out in search of much-needed libation, and before too long, they arrived at the spring. Oh, a happier trio there never, never was. Skip, skip, skip. Skippity, skippity, skippity. Here is the water I promised you. Mishu, you're standing in the stream. Oh, my foot is wet. <laughs> and damp to boot. Yes. Would you like to sip from the pond? Why, yes, my friend Coco. Do so. The water is cool and delicious, as you promised, Coco. LeBay? Oh, I get it. This pond? is classic clowning. Well, you'll have a la Bobby Hill that one time. But Coco, why are you being so cruel? I am not being cruel, my tiny friend Mishu. I am merely teaching LeBay the precious lesson of patience. Today he remains parched. Tomorrow he may sip from the pond. Back! Back, LeBay! Get your prodding stick. Keep LeBay back. Back, LeBay! Trust Coco's wisdom! Back! LeBay, what we do, we do out of love. Come now, my dearest friends. Let us continue on our way to the crafts fair. Skip, skip, skip. Coco? Yes? Will there be dwarfs and gnomes for LeBay to wrestle with? Oh, yes, Mishu. And also trolls and mutants we may spar with. Ooh! <laughs> yes, Coco 
Mishu and LeBay eventually made it to the crass here, where LeBay was hurt wrestling a feisty gnome named Jip, the surprisingly strong one. During his long recuperation, he rested peacefully because of the beautiful lesson Coco had given him. The lesson of patience. And now here comes the auto harp. Jelly beans danced on their face, and cotton candy clouds hung all over the place. Where peppermint skyscrapers climbed up to the Milky Way, it's Coco and Mishu and their friend. That was something else. Like I said, that that was a classic clowning. Like, no bulbous nose or white makeup or whatever. It was just classic, classic clowning. Alright, so let's go to this diner here. I know, I know. Your mother's been worried sick for two weeks. Dad, I gotta do this. You'll see, I'm gonna be on MTV. You can do anything you want. Just call your mother, okay? Okay. I love you, baby. Me too, Dad. Uh, that is the Acropolis, and it is on the wall. It is on the wall. It wasn't the waiter's call. I saw God. He told me to say what I really feel. I saw God. He told me to say what I really mean. To cut my hair and dye it green. I saw God. Ciao. 
like I said, just good enough. Yeah. And Cl now, here's yeah. a short film, Coffee and Cigarettes, a film by Jim Jarmusch, with Roberto Benigni and Stephen Wright. Roberto Benigni's in this! Holy crap! And yet, there's Roberto Benigni, future Oscar winner, smoking a cigarette, drinking coffee. Yeah. A little too much coffee. Uh, hello, Here's Steve. Steven. Steve. Steven. Steve. Hi. Sit down. Roberto. Yes. You move on that, huh? Yeah. Yes. You wound up. I wound up too. Yes. And yeah, both Roberto. Yeah, and both Roberto and Stephen Wright are smoking cigarettes because obviously the cigarette is Stephen Wright's gimmick at this time. What do you do? You know, just relax, sit around, maybe have a cigarette. Yes. Cigarettes and coffee, I think, go together good. I don't know. Oh, that's a lot of cigarettes on that ashtray. And that's a lot of coffee on the table. Yeah. Obviously, this is before the days when Bloomberg, like, banned smoking all over the place in New York. Because, you know, smoking's not good for you. No. It's a horrible habit. Oh, of course. It's unhygienic. It tears your lungs apart. I'd much rather drink a whole lot of coffee. Do you smoke? Only when I drink coffee. Do you know my mother? Do I know your mother? Yeah. No, I don't think so. Yeah. Coffee. And back to the now. coffee and the yeah, cigarettes on the a, table. An ice cube tray. Yeah. With coffee and put sticks in it. And for kids, you know, because they can start out when they're kids. You know, leave me. No, 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 like kids. Like, um, Smoking's bad. Caffeine popsicle. No. I don't understand. Drink coffee. Yes. Not that coffee's much better for you, but. That, yeah. Oh, they're toasting with the coffee. Like I said, this is uh, this is the twelve thirty half hour. Yeah, it's like we got nothing else better to do. Most of you are all asleep anyway. You having, you having trouble hearing me? Maybe we should switch. switch. Yes, yes, thank you very much. I'd like to switch. Oh, they're gonna switch seats. Yes. Good. By the way, do not try and. Suss out any sort of extraneous meaning from this piece. No, this, this is, is a, this is just two like, guys talking, smoking cigarettes, and drinking coffee. That's the whole film. It's Roberto Benini and Stephen Wright drinking coffee and smoking cigarettes. That's all there is to it. That's it. That's the whole thing. You when you leave. United States? No, here. Oh, here. Oh, I have to leave soon, actually. I have a, I have a dentist appointment. Oh, yeah. I have a dentist appointment, but I know... Gotta I get that checkup. I don't like the yep. dentist. No, I don't like the dentist either, Stephen. Yeah. My dentist is okay. Yes. Haven't gone in a while. Hmm. Good. You don't go? I should go. I don't feel like going. No? Steve, 
I am free now. Very free. You want to go for me? <laughs> what? Thank you very much. Yeah? You yes, I can go me? for you. What? Great. Roberto Benini is Just taking Stephen Wright's dentist appointment. Good, very good. Name of the guy. Yeah, for third. But aren't they going to know it's Steve. obviously not Thank Steven? I mean, no dental records. So I mean, come on. No. Thank you. Dentist appointment. Very good. I have to go. I am sorry, Steve. Oh, Steve. Steve, yeah. I have to go to the dentist. I am late. Thank you. Excuse me, eh? I am sorry. Take it easy. Don't, don't be late. <laughs> nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. <laughs> Get away. And like me, Stephen Wright is wondering, what just happened? Yeah, I think that's what everyone watching this is thinking. What the hell is did I just see here? And all there's left is the good nights. So. Yeah, we got the, got the sexy sax. Uh, yep, there's the, uh... There's Traversing the, it, huh? Thank you all for coming. I had a great time. Thank you. No, Rosanna, thank you. The pleasure was all ours, Rosanna. And now you know what happened right after Game 6 of the World Series in 1986. By the way, not for nothing... Game seven was played on a Monday. The final score was five to eight. Obviously, the Mets won. They were down three nothing in the bottom of the sixth inning, and the Mets finally got to Bruce Hurst. They tied the game at three three. The Mets scored three in the seventh. Boston scored two in the eighth. But Daryl Strawberry hit a big home run in the eighth inning to put the game away for the Mets. And that's when the Mets won the World Series. Daryl Strawberry became America's player, and Greg became a Mets fan. Yeah, at the age of two. That's the moment when I was two years old. I said, this team is so great. I'm going to be a fan of them for the rest of my life. And sure enough. That's the person I've become. <laughs> so, okay. What are our final thoughts about this episode? It follows the uh, Saturday Night Live format that has been holding strong for the last 45 years. The first set is incredible. Weekend Update is a masterpiece. This was back when Dennis Miller was at a collaboration of writers in the writer's room, and he just delivered it spot on. Uh, Rick Ocasek, you didn't hear it, but I have it on good authority because I heard it was amazing. I'm a big Cars fan, as everybody knows. The last half hour... It dragged. Yeah. It's like, it's like, on a normal week, well, back when I was a little, little Chico, on a normal week, I'd be watching Saturday Night Live, it would be 12.30, and I would just be like, 
Just let this end so we can get to its showtime at the Apollo. You're like Elaine in that one episode of Seinfeld when she was watching The English Patient with Peterman. Just end! Just end! Just end it! But yeah, Rosanna Arquette singing aside is incredibly brilliant. I love her to death and uh, everybody in the uh, 1986 cast was also really, really brilliant. I love A. Whitney Brown's uh, big picture, and I love that he sort of kind of brought that to The Daily Show 10 years later. Uh, Kevin Nealon, we saw the beginning of greatness in that, and obviously he's gone on to bigger and better things. And um, yeah, I mean, this was the season that we were clamoring for after the 85-86 debacle. Well, what can we say? But in the early morning hours of October 26, 1986, this was a thing on TV. But hold on, guys. Guys. Cue up the sexy sax music. It's time to play non-eBay Prices Right. This is a Topps Archives fan favorites from 2003 autograph card of Ron Darling that I got at a card show recently. So the way this is going to work is you're going to be bidding on three prices. It's going to be one right price style, and you're going to guess which one of the three prices is correct. Okay. So this is either going to be $10. $12 or $15. So, Chico, I'm going to start the bidding with you. Is it going to be $10, $12, or $15? Ron Darling was the pitcher during Game 6 of the World Series, right? Well, no, he pitched Game 7. Okay, he pitched Game 7. Game 7. I believe Game 6 would have been maybe Bobby Ojeda that started. Okay, so Ron Darling... He pitched Game 7. He obviously got the credit for the dub, but um, yeah, I'm going to go 15 then. Mike? No, I wouldn't pay that much. I'd go 12. 12? 12. $12. $15, Chica wins. What? (laughs) Because I know your spending habits, Greg. Yes. (laughs) This is going to be a Christmas gift from my brother, by the way. There's the card right here. And if Matt is listening, sorry we spoiled that for you. Oh, he's never listening to this podcast. You don't have to worry. (laughs) Okay, well, well, Matt can't listen, but you can. All of our previous episodes, our live watches, our mini-sodes are at itwasathingontv.com. Of course, they are also wherever fine podcasts can be streamed. If you go on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, remember, like, subscribe, rate, review. Five stars only because positive vibes only. And if you're on the YouTube, don't forget to hit that notification bell after you subscribe so you can stay up to date on all of our future entries. Like the one we have coming up on Thursday as we continue spooky season right here on It Was A Thing On TV. Thank you so much for listening. Please be kind to each other, and we will see you for the next one. Well, this Thursday on It Was a Thing on TV. This is an eerie update. After he died, 
Elvis had his mail forwarded to a house on my street. We got junk mail. Erie, Indiana. 